You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Unit Therapy Podcast. I am the host. My name is Kat. And if you're new here, welcome. So glad you're here. We've had so many new listeners and new subscribers the past couple weeks, and I'm so grateful for that. I'm always eternally grateful for each single listener that comes on here and presses play. I literally thought like 10 people would listen to this and it's continuing to become a thing. So I'm all for that. I am so excited. I feel like I say that every single week. Maybe I should think of some new like adjectives to describe how I feel about the episodes, but I think that means that I just really like all of the things that we talk about here. But this week I have a friend on who isn't coming on here to give us a psychology lesson so much, but she is coming on to tell part of her story, which is super cool. And I learned a lot of this story in this conversation, like we'll be in real time learning it together. And I've known her for 10 years. So she's a friend from college. She's awesome. Her name is Lauren Beasley. And look, her up because she has started one of the coolest things I have known somebody personally to start and create and it is a all-inclusive dance studio here in Nashville and that means it is a dance studio where everybody's welcome regardless of your ability your age your gender your color like she welcomes every kind of human in and I think that is so cool and in this conversation she tells us kind of how that came to be but all the things surrounding that that created her her who she is, which is why she can do what she does. She's awesome. If you want to follow Lauren, I'm going to go ahead and throw out her handle right now. You can follow her personal account, Lauren underscore B's, B-E-A-S. And then you can follow her dance studio at Move Inclusive Dance. And then you can look at Move on Instagram or you can go to moveinclusivedance.com to learn more about that. She's awesome. So and her 
Instagram page has so much positive energy on it. So if you guys just need something in your feed that's happy, go ahead and follow that. Lauren, I'm so grateful for you coming and having this conversation. And thank you, thank you a million times a million. And I hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. I will see you guys on the other side. Juan, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? It's your day off. It is my day off. Is it like actually a day off? Yes. So we have classes at the studio Monday through Thursday and then on Saturdays. And I used to use Fridays for like meetings and networking. And now I've decided to reserve that as an actual So you don't even, the studio is not open on Friday? It is not open. Oh, well, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. So I want to know why you open the studio, all about it. People are like, what are you even talking about? Also, congratulations. I just got your save. I know this is like old news. <gasps> Thanks. But I just got your save the date. Yes. I put it up on my fridge and I forgot who was over the other day, but they're like, this is such a cute save the date. Uh, well, I designed it myself. Oh, so it's beautiful. <laughs> it looks great. Thank you. Okay. So I want to know why you started the studio. You've been a dancer since I've known you. Right. You majored in dance. I majored in dance. I've taught you to dance a few times, I feel like. (laughs) (laughs) Or tried to. I tried to. Yeah, you did. The dance that I was in. So Lauren and I were in the same sorority. Do you feel weird being like the sorority I was in in college? Yeah. Yes, (laughs) I do. Like, would I be in that again if I went back in college now? Probably. I think we would. Yeah, probably. I think we would. It was good for the time. Anyway, the dance I was in in Rush got cut. I'm dying right now just like thinking. <laughs> the um, It was an NSYNC dance. It was an NSYNC and dance. And I got put in it accidentally my junior year because somebody like decided they didn't want to do it and I was just there. So like, Catherine, will you do this? And I was like, sure. If we only knew like what was to I come. cannot move. <laughs> it's weird that I can ride a bike to the beat because I have no rhythm. But the next year we did it, we you guys cut it out of like yes, the day before it, you it, cut it, it out. It did. It did make its way to the chopping block. Uh, yeah, you're like, these girls are not going to want to be friends with us. <laughs> they see this. But really, it could be like, oh, I could be that girl. I know. I was about to say, it actually probably could have There's reached even more people, you know? Yeah. Which even <gasps> inclusivity. I know. Okay. Anyway, so we met in college and we were in the same sorority. You were a dance major. And I remember going to your performances and being like, what is this? What like is this? Voodoo. Modern dance. Yeah. Like, it, no, it's cool though. Yeah. So cool. And then you moved to Nashville for some reasons that we'll get into. So you're now doing a whole thing that's super cool and I want everybody to hear about it, but I want to know the whole story because I think that like you probably were on a path that unfolded this. I'm assuming this wasn't a dream you had when you were 15. I mean, it, it actually was, but like kind of not at the same time. So the first memory that I have of just the idea of a place mm-hmm. like Move Inclusive Dance existing, I was probably 13. And I have tried so hard to pinpoint this because obviously mm-hmm. I'm asked all the time, like, why did you start this? Mm-hmm. Um, and usually for people, I think that work with this community of mm-hmm. people that have disabilities, usually they have some kind of personal connection. Right. Like they have a sibling or a cousin or an uncle that had some type of disability. And, you know, it, mm-hmm. it just kind of was really special to them where that wasn't the, the case for me. But I was 13. I was on the way home from dance and I was in the car with my mom. And for whatever reason, I said to her, <laughs> why? isn't there a dance studio for people with special needs? And she was like, I don't know, maybe you'll start one someday. And I think a lot of people hear that and they think it was probably like a very powerful, like she saw this vision of yeah. me doing this thing, but it really was not that at all. It was just like a passing moment. Yeah, it was a passing moment. And I just have a really good memory. So I remember it. But I, I remember saying to her like, yeah, maybe, but thinking like, I, I, no, but okay. Fast forward, I'm yeah. a dance major, mm-hmm. right? And my senior year, 
for our capstone project, we were instructed to pick something in the field of dance, do a research project and present it to our faculty and our peers. And so everyone's picking different choreographers, famous companies. Yeah. What is another example of what you would do? Probably nothing you would be familiar with, but like, (laughs) like you could pick like the New York City Ballet or, and just like research them and just give like a research project on how it started and you know, who is who in the company. And you could, I mean, you'd really do whatever you wanted. Right. And so I am just the type of person that likes to think outside of the box. I want to do something that is going to kind of catch people off guard. And so I was brainstorming and this idea resurfaced of a place for people with disabilities to dance. So I just did a little research. I'm like, you know, surely there's someone doing that. And in 2012, there really wasn't a lot of that going on. I found one company in the U.S. that that was for people with Down syndrome. There was no studios that I could find in 2012. I'm sure that there were people who had classes and stuff, but nothing that I, I found to do a project on. No. And so I decided to do the project on why I thought that that should be a thing. Mm -hmm. So I gave the presentation. I remember as I was wrapping up, walking back to my seat, one of my professors was like, first of all, why have you never brought this idea up? Second of all, you have to do that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, like, I don't know anyone with a disability. I dance is my thing. Yes. But like, I know nothing about people with special needs. I don't know where to even begin something like that. Uh, but thank you. No. <laughs> and so I end up um, after college, I moved to New York and I forgot yes. that you lived in New York. Yes, so I moved to Nashville from New York. I forgot that. Did you move to New York to dance? I thought so. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, well, before I moved to New York, I actually moved home for like a year and a half and while in Mobile, Alabama. And while I was there, I started working for a company called Pure Bar as a Mm -hmm. teacher. And then I ended up managing a studio and teaching dance Mm -hmm. in the dance studio that I grew up in just kind of on the side. And about a year into it, my lifelong dance teacher who I was then working for was like, you have always said you were going to move to New York. Mm -hmm. You were going to audition. What are you doing? You know? And I was like, okay, you're right. If I don't do this now, it's never going to happen. So I moved to New York and I was able to transfer to mm-hmm. the Pure Bar Studios there. So I didn't realize when I took this job with Pure Bar, it was going to like set me up in yeah. all kinds of ways, all kinds of ways. Oh, this is so cool. I it's know. like foreshadowing yes, of your life. it is very full circle. So I move, I start working at Pure Bar Studios there. So wait a second. Also, you're like acting like this was like, a, oh, it just happened. Yeah. You literally moved to New York City. Yes. With two suitcases, lived on a couch. Did yes. you know people? I knew some people from college. Yeah. I moved in with my roommate from college actually my question is though because a lot of people talk about doing that right not a lot of people do it so what did it feel like to be like I'm gonna do this I don't know if it's gonna work out yeah my goal is to dance right and this is really scary and I'm gonna go do it and people are gonna know that I'm gonna go try to dance yes it was crazy but it was also one of those moments where you're just like this is what I've said I was going to do my entire life and the clock is ticking and you know especially with dance like you can't do it forever right Right. so yeah I mean it was like a true New York story like I said I moved there suitcases and my former roommate from college was living in New York and she was like you can stay was she a dancer yes Yes. okay yes and she was like you can stay with me and my roommates and then we'll get an apartment together well it ended up just taking way longer than we thought so I lived on their couch for like an entire summer but just like you know making it that's like the new york dream it is yeah you You literally lived on a couch i lived on a couch and like if anyone knows me like that's not my vibe (laughs) at all but i just really really wanted it i guess so um but i get there and i'm working at pure bar and i end up getting i have to i'm to interrupt you i'm sorry i love it i love it because 
I'm thinking of this life as non-dancer mind. Yeah. When you move mm-hmm. to go pursue this, is it like if you were going to be an actor, like you just go to all these auditions yes. or do you join a company or a, oh, you can't, a studio? You can't just sign up. You, can, okay. <laughs> you would have to audition. Okay. Um, so that, yeah, that was kind of where my, my head was at the time that I would be taking classes, professional classes, and then auditioning for. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. But then auditioning to be in a company of some sort. I'm sorry. I'm going to keep asking these questions and then being in it. a company. Yeah. What does that mean versus like being in the rockets or on a broadway musical um what were you well, wanting to do there's a lot of differences but i was probably looking more into like modern dance what you would come the shows that you would come okay. to the like funky voodoo yes. stuff that you mentioned yeah <laughs> that's kind of what i would be looking into to doing and so that's obviously like not the same crowd as like broadway, broadway. or the rockets that are you know everybody knows what that is mm-hmm. right so your pay would be less probably depending upon what you got um if you get paid at all but it's just the experience and your resume and all that well, jazz. what does that mean though like why would you need that on uh, at one point i thought maybe i I'll dance for however many years and then I'll go get my master's. And so it would be, you know, great experience for me, obviously. Or if I wanted to be a professor, it would hold a lot of weight to say that I danced professionally in this company. Okay. So that makes more sense. Because yes. in my head, I'm like, are you auditioning to be in a commercial? Yeah. I mean, dance yeah, commercial? that happens okay. too. It just kind of depends. Okay. But like, there's no point in talking about it because I didn't do any of it. Oh, you... <laughs> That's, that's the point that I'm trying to, to oh, get sorry. to. I'm like, but wait, we have to talk about. <laughs> but this if anyone's journey. interested, that's what you could do. Okay. So, um, so I get there. I'm working for Pure Bar. I'm teaching classes in the morning, and then I ended up getting an internship with a nonprofit dance studio in East Harlem, where they basically they exist to get girls off the street mm-hmm. of this neighborhood. They offer free services, and it was the first place that I remember being in like a dance setting where I'm like, oh wow, like this is like just for the good of it and Mm -hmm. you know it really is a powerful tool that we can be using to like change the world (laughs) and I believe in that right and so I had the opportunity to work under the executive director and that was the I guess third time that the idea again for something like move inclusive dance Mm -hmm. to exist resurfaced in my brain I'm like okay well if I ever were to try this I might as well take advantage of the fact I I can figure out how to start a nonprofit. how do you apply for grants how do Mm -hmm. you make your own salary off of Mm -hmm. donations you know like all of the things that go into starting Mm -hmm. up a nonprofit. and so I kind of like explored the idea of maybe trying something out while I was there but never never actually made the jump and then after two years I moved to Nashville you never auditioned Oh, yeah. Yeah. So no, I never auditioned. Not one audition. No, no. So I get there and I started taking some classes professionally and quickly realized and because the people that I did know in New York were all in that circuit auditioning, trying to make it. And I quickly realized I am not the person for this. I don't have the self-esteem. I don't have the confidence. It will not be good for me. Like it'll, it would happen. You, you just have to be ready to like hear no all day um, long until it's, it's just like acting or modeling yeah. or whatever. Like it comes down to what they need on paper. And so a lot of times you're going into the, these auditions and like they need a blonde girl that's whatever. And no matter how good you are, you're not. And, I'm, and, and that's why the people who make it are built for that. But I'm not. So it was the best thing that ever happened to me because if I wouldn't have moved there and realized that, I would have lived my whole life wondering like, oh man, should I have tried that? Even if it doesn't work out, because I sit with people all the time that are like, well, I'm afraid it's not going to work out. And if you don't know it's not going to work out, you're going to be wondering what would happen. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that is an amazing way to look at that. And then also, I think there's an amount of confidence you have to have in yourself to say, I'm not built for this. Sure. 
because I think some people wouldn't want to admit that. Yes. Or and it, it would was, be a bad thing of like, well, I don't have enough confidence to do that. But it's like, no, that's just not my personality. True. True. And it was definitely a weird moment for me to be like, this is the thing, like I said, that I have I've told everyone forever that I was mm-hmm. going to do. So am I not that person? Am I not this dancer? Like, am I not who I thought that I yeah. was? And so it was really weird, kind of like shedding that, but also realizing that there was another reason that I had this experience and yeah. dance that I did. And I didn't know what it was at the time, but I knew that it would always be in my life. And I knew that it was just all going to pan out the way that it was supposed to. Yeah. And it did. Well, did it feel, <laughs> well, it did, but did it feel like that back then what did it feel like to not step in the away? moment did you know you were stepping away or do you never even stepped forward i don't really? know that i really realized it in the moment i remember having this conversation with one of my best friends who i met when i was in new york and we're still best friends now like the week that i was leaving and she's a former dancer too i don't know if i should say former dancer but yeah she's a former dancer too why we, is she a current this, dancer no she's now pursuing music oh so, okay <laughs> because it's kind of like a self-identity thing yeah. you know um and we had this conversation of like this is it's weird you mm-hmm. know so i moved to nashville there was an opening for a manager for a new pure bar studio mm-hmm. here and again i was able to just kind of easily transfer and i got here and I, I loved the job i loved the life that i was like building here but there's like a long story and a short story probably to like how i actually got this thing going but what thing the move, move. yeah take us down the long story yeah right we're here <laughs> so the long story kind of started in 2018 okay also <laughs> It all started in 2018. <laughs> I'm going to interject too, because the, a question that I, when I ask it, usually ask it in the beginning, had you ever been to therapy pre 2018? No. Okay. No. Because also. Needed to. Needed to. Okay. But, <laughs> but no. never went. Because I'm thinking you're doing all of these things and like we all needed therapy before we got it probably. Yeah. That's how the world works. But you're not processing all the stuff that's happening. Right. That's why I'm like, when you stopped doing this, like, what was it like? And it's like, oh, you probably just were like, no, 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 yeah. I was not in that headspace. No. Okay. So you started going to therapy. So am I uh, too early in the story? Well, I had wanted to go to therapy okay. as a teenager. I knew I have known for a long time that I needed. But you never did. A therapist. I asked to go to therapy and until me like therapy is really just like not a thing in my family yeah same I'm nobody in my not family has except when they went because of me right <laughs> yeah right so um yeah I asked when I was probably 15 and it was like uh what no you know what I'm just remembering what the Batman boyfriend that was I don't know oh why I'm God. thinking Batman why Spider-Man. am I thinking Batman Spider-Man. Oh <laughs> the guy coming from the ceiling yes he's a that that's why I needed to okay, go to that's therapy thinking. when did you date well, him that was part when I was 15, well, 14 to 17, 14 to 17. Okay. Right? Yeah. I'm just thinking about an ex-boyfriend that I've heard stories about yes. that I'm like, if that was my daughter, she would be in a therapist's office from sun up to yeah, sundown correct, for correct. a long time. Yeah. 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 So gosh. Okay. So let's rewind. Not 2018. Let's go back. 2001. Yeah. <laughs> I was in so, fourth grade. So whenever I was around 14, 15. 14 to 17 were like the darkest years of my life. And this will come to like no surprise to you, but like I've lived my entire life being known as like a very non-emotional person as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. It it would take a lot to make me feel happy or Mm -hmm. to make me feel sad or to make me feel anything. And I thought that was normal to me. So you aren't saying like, I don't cry a lot. You're saying I'm just very 
even correct like my whole life yes i yes i have like a baseline that i kind of just stayed at and that was that was very normal to me as i'm growing older and wiser i realize that there you know it's a good characteristic to be able to say oh i feel sad Mm -hmm. and that's okay or i Mm -hmm. feel angry Mm -hmm. and that's okay or i feel ashamed and that's okay but that was like very foreign to me especially in my teenage years. So I I have to like give everything to my experience in dance because what's kind of funny, my my therapist and I have unpacked this a little bit. So around that time, Mm 14-ish, I kind of became known in my dance studio as the girl that was really good at really sad dances really sad dances like the emotional dramatic Mm -hmm. lyrical pieces I was like the go-to person for those roles and I didn't realize it at the time it was because I was really sad Mm -hmm. and I didn't have a place to expose that or put that out there and and dance was the only place that I felt safe to know you were sad no no I, I mean I don't know I think I did yeah I definitely did but like I didn't really want to accept that maybe I mean, I knew because yeah. I, I cried myself to sleep every night, but you didn't have spaces to talk about it. No, no. And that's when I asked to go to therapy mm-hmm. and, and, and wasn't granted that uh, wish. But but think about, too, you've probably learned so much about this. And th- people that listen to the podcast have learned about this of when we can't express ourselves or we don't have space to express ourselves verbally or it's not safe to like our body is holding on to that stuff even yes. if we're not saying it yes. and we're not acknowledging it, it is so there when, no wonder i don't think you meant to be like i'm going to be the one that's good at the sad dances not at all but your body was like oh i can do this really well yes and this is my opportunity yeah. to like actually release to some speak. things yes yes that's cool so dance was yeah it was the one thing in my life when mm-hmm. i look back that it was my safe space and i, I really don't know what i would have done without it yeah. at that time i don't know who i would be today And so it holds a lot of weight in my life. So, but you asked to go to therapy. Yes. Did you ask to go when you started having issues in this relationship that you were in? Or did you Um, ask to go when you realized that it's not normal that I'm crying so much? uh, Maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah. And probably more so the like, I don't feel right. This is not not right. This is not right. What was the response you got? No, we don't. We don't. You don't need that. You don't need that. And I, and I still kind of every once in a while, we'll get those responses. um, If I talk about this kind of stuff with my family not not my mom but like come on now like we're, we're stronger than that is yeah. basically that's what i that was the like overarching tone of our household is like we don't cry we're yeah. we're we're bigger than that you well, know i think that's such one you're growing up in a geographical area that doesn't yes look at therapy as no. a necessity and your generation our generation is different than our parents in that people went to therapy when they were like literally actually having psychotic breaks yes or this clinical depression that leads to suicide kind of thing people weren't right. looking at depression and anxiety as some you crying yourself to sleep would be like well okay don't mm-hmm. be so sad yeah get over maybe it maybe you should do something that's makes you happy listen exactly. to some happy music like right. go hang out with your friends and that's not so how it works so i think a, it's a shock to a lot of people it's they don't understand it it's you're not absolutely bad. right and th- and that's like that's where my dad was yeah. he would he loves me to death yeah. he would never try to you know do something that would be harmful to me that's not at all what his 
goal was and i know that it's really the way that he was brought up you know Mm -hmm. and the environment that he has lived in his entire life and so you then learn a lesson from that yes and i wouldn't change my story like i am the type of person i I live without regrets really and i am grateful Mm -hmm. for all of the like horrible horrible shit that Mm -hmm. i lived for a really long time because i know that it is the Mm -hmm. reason that i'm living like my fullest life now and i'm doing this amazing thing that like fills me up every single day i would not be doing that if i wouldn't have had the the journey that i have you know and and finally making my way to therapy in 2018 yeah because if you would have went to therapy (laughs) at 14 who knows what right you might have quit dance who knows what would have happened yeah so all in that to say is one when people get shut down in spaces like that from therapy it is painful and hurts and it's not great i don't think most of the time there's ill will involved yeah and i don't think everything happens for a reason but i think a lot of stuff happens for a reason and it sounds like this ended up leading you to something for sure that was more meaningful than it would have been yes when you were 14 15 yes agreed so after i had been in nashville for i guess maybe like a year and a half i had a nervous breakdown if you will i i knew that i had lived with depression my entire life for as long as i could remember i should say did you know that because you just caught it that or had you been uh yeah i just knew okay whenever i asked to go to therapy and i was told no um, my mom ended up taking me to a doctor and i did get prescribed an antidepressant that had reverse effects on me which then made me terrified of medicine that's a whole other thing thing. yeah but yeah yeah i knew and and like it runs in my family Mm -hmm. it was yeah i knew that i had lived with depression my entire life and that it would come in in waves and but i didn't think i had anxiety which is hilarious don't you love that I didn't know I had anxiety until I was in grad school and I was like, wait a second. Normal people don't think like this. Oh yeah. Now, like when I'll tell my therapist, you know, stories from like five years old and she's like, and you didn't think you've ever had anxiety. Okay. Because we didn't know. Yeah. Like how you don't know. Yeah. Especially when it's not talked about. And again, anxiety is looked at some, I don't think people really understand what anxiety can be. Mm -hmm. All the array of things that can be. However, I do want to point out, I don't know that the people around you would have known that you were depressed no because from an outsider's perspective you kind of looked like you had it all together Mm -hmm. which is so often what it looks like Mm -hmm. which is why it's pretty dangerous but you had this cool job you're living in this cool city i don't know if this was before or after you had bought this condo Mm -hmm. and i don't know if you were dating but you were dating Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. guy who you're now getting married (laughs) to but like you had moved from new york you had all these life experiences from the outside which is again this goes into this like highlight real life that we live in nobody that wasn't very close to you and i don't know if you told anybody no no one no one knew no, no one knew until shit hit the fan. And I remember okay. calling my two best friends at different times and both of them being like, what? What's happening? What is so your going best on? friends didn't even know. No one knew. I didn't Don't, know. Yeah. I didn't know. I knew, like I said, I knew that I had lived with like depression, but I did not know how broken mm. I was until one day I, and this was in 2018. This is where okay. I've been trying <laughs> to, get. to get. Yeah. So I woke up to get ready for work and at Pure Bar. yes and i felt very weird that's the only way <laughs> i can describe it i remember feeling like i was kind of in a dream but i knew that i wasn't in a dream everything just I, like i felt very unsure like am i doing what i'm doing right it was just it was i felt like i was almost having like an out of body experience yes and i'd never ever experienced anything like this and i remember thinking 
I must not have got good sleep last night. I need to come home after work and take a nap and then I'll feel better. It was very just bizarre. So I get in my car, I start driving. All of a sudden, it it felt like literally someone just like beat on my chest. And I all of a sudden could not drive my car. I could not breathe. My vision was going out. I immediately obviously pulled the car over, was hyperventilating. I'm about to hyperventilate right now telling the story. <laughs> do we need to do some brain no, exercises? No, 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 I'm good, I'm good. And I, I literally, Catherine, I literally thought I'm having a heart attack right now and yeah. I'm about to die in this car on the side of the by road myself. by myself. And I don't know what to do. So I immediately called Amber, who you know, and... But hold on. What does it feel? What it does it feel like to tell the story now? I've never heard this story. So I feel actually I feel okay right now. I mean, it's been a couple of years at yeah. this point. Actually, this was 2017. I was going to say this seems really like yeah. This was 2017. Recent. So okay. my timeline is off. Yeah, it was 2017. So it's been a few years. Looking back on the whole thing, it's crazy. I mean, I feel like a different person and I, and I kind of I mean I think I yeah, am a different yeah. person but yeah I mean it gives me a little bit of anxiety of course just because it's like weird kind of reliving it Does because it was so feel scary like you or is it no yeah no so I call Amber and so she's the first person you think to call yeah and by the time and she picks up and she was like asleep and she's like <laughs> what's going on and I'm truly hysterical yeah and I'm starting to like lose the ability to speak at this point and so I'm, and I'm, I just tell her, you have to come get me. Were and you in the wherewithal to say like where you were? Yeah, I told okay. her where I was. And actually, as I started talking to her for a second, I was like, maybe I'm okay. And I started driving again, really stupid. Like, <laughs> I drive okay, myself okay. to, I was, I was really close to work at this okay. point. So I, I get myself to work and I said, meet me there and I need you to take me to the hospital. And so she's like, okay, she has no idea what's going on. So she gets in the car drive straight to me in the meantime you think you're having a heart attack i don't think you're having a panic attack. no 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 yes 100 okay. <laughs> i am dying i'm okay. dying i'm having a heart attack yes at what 26 27 uh yeah 20 yeah six and then i'm like who, who i can't call my mom because she's just gonna freak out you know so um i have a good friend that is a nurse here at vanderbilt and i'm like i'm gonna call her and like explain to her my symptoms and maybe she has like something she can tell me to do until amber gets here mm -hmm. to save my life and so i call her and she actually was at work and she's like you know just like in shock and like what is going and I, and I explained to her and i'm like i've parked my car i can't feel my legs i think i'm gonna get out and see if i can walk and she was like no 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 don't if do you that do that and you fall and you hit your head like we may have a worse situation i was like okay 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 you're right so i'm just talking it up more and more i'm having a heart attack so like it, it is that is what's happening to me in my head okay mm -hmm. amber gets there she parks her car thinking that I can like walk to her car and I'm just like looking at she had I, I, I literally couldn't walk by the time I got into her car she got me into her car I, I couldn't speak at that point do you have any recollection what Amber was like uh yeah she, is... she had just moved here and she was like where's the hospital like she, I'm thinking she's, in my head, she's the last person. she's the last person that should have been like my person but, but like, like the first person because she's your best friend yes, but when I think of yes, her and like knowing what to do yes, when somebody's having a not, panic attack she would have a panic attack she was okay. yes and so she's like she doesn't like she's bad at phones she's like I don't know how to put it into my GPS like I mean it was like it was a nightmare so she finally figures out she starts driving she calls my boss and it's like hey i'm driving lauren to the hospital i don't know what's happening yeah. and my boss is like what like because i i was healthy you know it was just so weird so we get to the hospital they bring a wheelchair 
out to get me at this point I'm having full body like convulsions and I, I have zero control of my body they take me in they're like we're gonna do an EKG you're gonna be fine breathe they do an EKG and I'm like they're about to tell me like my heart is defective I don't know and the nurse looks at me and she's like your EKG is normal and I was like uh do it again <laughs> like no this is not normal something is wrong and she's like um we're gonna run we're gonna run some more tests just like stay calm they take me to a room they end up doing you know all kinds of labs whatever doctor after doctor nurse after nurse we're there all day mom doesn't know eventually after we like started realizing what was probably going on i had amber call my mom yeah but doctors nurses kept coming in saying you know this came back normal um we're gonna do this now and i'm like what the hell is going on like Mm -hmm. i know that something is wrong something is wrong and after i don't know an hour or an hour and a half um the like convulsions kind of start going down and at that point my body was the most fatigued that it's ever been i literally i was laying in a bed i i I couldn't turn my head to like look at amber to speak i i had zero energy at one point i needed to get they wanted me to go to the restroom and I was like, okay, I, I can't get there. I mean, they had to like Pick take you me. Up. Yeah, yeah. And now I know that that was just like the fatigue from the like extreme stress that my body went through for a couple of hours. And so, yeah, at the end of the day, the doctor, the final doctor comes in and he's like, have you ever talked to anyone about having anxiety? And I was like, what? No. <laughs> I'm serious. This is not funny. Yeah. This is not a funny story. What is funny is the fact that like over your head. Over my head. I was like, you're probably like, you, you still have it wrong. This is a heart attack, sir. Yes. Yes. Catherine. So that was the (laughs) doctor is an idiot because I have anxiety. I left. And for weeks I was like, I actually have a brain tumor and they just don't know it or, you know, anything, anything like I was constantly. So I had this just like PTSD that I was living with actually for like months. But it can't be that simple. Stress and anxiety no. wouldn't cause that is in your head. But undiagnosed or un- anxiety that you're not aware of for 26 years of your exactly. life. Exactly. Yes, it can cause that. Yes. Yes. That's like when we t- I talk about with clients all the time, trauma, when people don't acknowledge their trauma, little T and big T mm-hmm. trauma. It's like a beach ball that we're holding underwater and it's fine and it's fine and, it's, and then you get kind of he- like tired and when you let your hand off the beach ball it doesn't just come to the surface it shoots up mm-hmm. through the air mm-hmm. and that's exactly remember how i said i lived at a baseline it took yeah. a lot to make me feel anything that this is exactly that yeah. moment all coming to a head and my body exploded yes because actually i was just a master of suppressing every single Mm -hmm. thing that came my way to the point that I had no idea these things were inside of me and there was finally nowhere else for it to go it was literally like my body was cracked open yeah and it was like here we are like here's all this ugly stuff that Mm -hmm. I have been hiding my entire life 26 years of trauma stress whatever it is yeah just came to the surface that day and still you know of course every once in a while i'm like ah, maybe maybe i actually still do have some kind of hell yeah when the doctor said that to you he said have you ever had anxiety and what yeah. and you're like no. i said no 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 no. i said i have had depression i've never had anxiety i've never had a panic attack which wrong actually i had 
have I've had many panic attacks. You didn't know what they were? I didn't know they were panic attacks, yeah. So yeah, I left thinking that, yeah, the doctor's wrong. I, but but I also was so um, just like not okay. You know, I, I hadn't lived here too long. I didn't have mm-hmm. like a primary care physician. That was what they recommended. Yeah. Like you need to go to your primary care physician, tell them what's going on. They can prescribe you something or they can refer you to someone who can. And I was like, I don't have that. All I had was an OBGYN here. And so I left just being like, what is going on? They didn't, they didn't discharge you with anything. Nothing, nothing. What? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think I remember them telling me that they couldn't, but that seems kind of weird to me. But maybe they actually can't give you like a Xanax or something. You would think that they could. But they ended up giving me an IV of fluids to like, like a PRN revitalize me. But or even just a recommendation for a therapist. Yeah, no. That's I mean, I, I probably, who knows? I don't know. I might have like... Maybe they gave it to you and you just were like, yeah, maybe Amber would remember more details than I do because it's it's okay. kind of a, a lot to remember. But so you went to your gyno? No, no, I didn't do oh, anything. I okay. didn't do anything. So I like went back to my normal life. And that whole week I was like, obviously a wreck. Yeah. And like I said, at any moment, just thinking like that it was going to happen again. Right. Or that I actually did have this crazy health thing that they didn't find. Like, I don't know. I remember texting my boss and saying I I googled like my symptoms and brain fog came up which I'd never heard of why did you google your symptoms Why did, we, why did any of why, us yeah, ever do I that? I don't know. That, I feel like that's the worst thing you yeah, could have no, done at that because point because it would have said you have a I brain know, tumor. I know. I know. But well, you have but brain fog. Honestly, honestly, though, it was more like all signs were pointing towards okay. anxiety. So it was a good Google. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. But yeah, so I found this article about brain fog, which I'd never heard of. And I sent it to my boss and I was like, I know you think I'm crazy right now. But like, this is the only thing I can find that like kind of sounds like what I have going on, but I don't know how to fix it. So she was like aware of what was going on, right? But but because I'm me, I was like, let's suit up. Let's go to work. Like we got to, you know, just keep going. Right. So the following week, so it happened on a Monday, the following Monday, mm-hmm. I wake up and I'm like, wow, it's been a week. Like this is where we all, where it all started. Right. Get in my car. It happens again in the exact same moment and time and place. Again, all signs point to anxiety. Yeah. Obviously I built it up in my head. Like this is where it happened. It's going to happen again and it's happening, yeah. you know? So I get myself to work. I call my boss and I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. She saved my life that day. She was like, I'm coming to get you. She came to get me, ended up taking me back to her house. And she had worked through some anxiety stuff in her past. So this was like not a very, you know, out there concept for her because a lot of people it is like people who have never experienced anxiety like they really don't get it and I didn't get it or you you scare them yeah yeah so it was just by the grace of God that she literally (laughs) that she was able to like kind of understand what was going on and I remember being in her car on the way to her house and I'm just freaking out like I don't know why this keeps happening and she was like there's a chemical imbalance in your brain but you know that it's not right and so it's going to be okay we're gonna fix it so she takes me to her house she was like you need to sleep put me in bed Mm -hmm. when I woke up she had made me an appointment with a doctor and her therapist who is now my therapist and this um, lady is an angel she is an angel yes and so I remember her being on the phone with my therapist in the other room telling her what was going on and I could hear my therapist say she can't function like this we have to get her some medicine like today you know before she can get into my office hey guys Kat here and I have something 
very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you Unique Therapy after you check out. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This is, and also just to like sneak in some science into the, the, this world, your body is literally acting in this fight or flight. Yes. And then you go, once you get all that over there, you go into this free state because you have nothing left. So your body is acting as if some somebody or something is attacking it. Mm-hmm. You don't know that. You just are like, what the heck is going on? But your body is literally, like your nervous system is all essentially miswired at this point yes and completely shot yeah your nervous system is a good thing to have we want to know when things are not safe or scary or whatever your whole life you have shut your nervous system down right so you and i didn't understand that until mm -hmm. a doctor had to explain it to me you froze your nervous system yes which throws off all of your chemicals in yes. your brain and there isn't enough serotonin to like you're not balancing your mood you're numbing your mood right. and so at this moment 
you literally are in like a shock you having that panic attack is like the story we told about and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the trauma, your body and how they're connected episode. What is happening is like the animals who experience trauma, how they go. And you've probably heard this story. I have you? So when animals, this is gonna be like the 17th time I've told this story <laughs> on this podcast. When animals get scared and they experience trauma, a lot of times, like most species will go somewhere, hide and shake their bodies and hmm. expel that energy inside of them. But okay. humans, we tense up and we hold it in. And so you've had all this stuff that you've tensed up and held in and held in and held in and you have been essentially acting out of your parasympathetic nervous system which is the shutdown part of you Mm -hmm. which is good Mm -hmm. it's we have it for a reason but we're not supposed to live there right and so your anxiety attack or your panic attack was your body shaking that out and it's almost like it was like i can just imagine like the little i don't know why i think this but i imagine like little people living inside of our brain and like <laughs> kind of like in that inside out the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. And people like pressing different buttons yes and them being like she's never gonna let us shake this but out yes. let's just get it done right now you are so right yeah. and i should also note that the, the both days that i had these extreme episodes nothing happened to trigger them there was no like crazy phone call that i got that morning there was no like breakup that happened the week before it just happened Mm -hmm. it just happened because of what you just said like my body was like we have to let this go right now right Mm -hmm. now and so anyway i yeah i heard sarah talking to my therapist and she was like we've got to get her some medicine and so my boss comes back in and she's like do you have a doctor that we can call like i'm like i have an OBGYN." so we (laughs) call them and i and i remember i called them on speakerphone and she was sitting next to me and i felt like a crazy person i was like hey um so like it's really weird thing happened last week where i like went to the hospital i thought i was having a heart attack but then they told me like no you're not having a heart attack you're having a panic attack and then like all week i had anxiety and then it happened again today so like could you guys call me in like a xanax or something (laughs) they're like this is not how it works like let me call you back and so i don't remember who ended up calling me back but I explained to them that, you know, I was going to see a therapist the next day, but she recommended that I get something in me like today. Yeah. And so they ended up calling in Ativan for me, which uh, has yeah. changed my life, yeah. changed my life. So then I went to see the therapist for the first time, maybe the next day or the next within the next yeah. two days. And I will never, ever forget that day because I sat down on her little comfy couch and were you she, nervous um or you no, excited? i was I, neither i had no feelings at okay. this point you in time tired. i was just like a walking robot okay. like just trying to make it and so i sit down and she's like what's up like why are you here and i was like oh, i don't i don't really know like i'm going through some physical things doctors think that i have anxiety <laughs> but i'm i'm convinced that it's something else um and she's just like shaking her head and she goes okay and she goes well tell me what your life looks like i started talking and within an instant she's like and she's just like on her notepad going crazy you know and what felt like two minutes later she goes okay so it's been 45 minutes and i'm just gonna go ahead and stop you there there's a lot for us to dive into but i just want to say you just told me a lot and you don't think any of that has anything to do with mm-hmm. what's happening to you right now and i still fully did not get it and i was yeah. like no no that's when she said something along the lines of like you have become a master of mm-hmm. suppressing emotion forever mm-hmm. your entire life and your body is finally just it's oozing out of you 
There's nowhere else for it to go. You've built it up so high. There's nowhere else for it to go. It's oozing out and you have to face it. You have to face it. And I was like, what? You know, like what? But like, I like respected her because I was like, okay. Yeah. I went back the next week and that's when it all started. I mean, we just started peeling back those layers and there was so much there that I just, like I said, had no idea, no idea. And now I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. Yeah. Do do you guys talk about your attachment? You might, Uh, and she might not say. Yeah. She's never used. I don't think she's used the term attachment. I don't know. What does that mean? That's a big question. Okay. But I have a whole episode on it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So your attachment, I, I work through attachment focus lens so okay. i'm always looking at at people's um what kind of side of the scale they lean to yeah. and there's two main types avoidant and anxious you would think you might be anxious because you have anxiety but you are probably one of the most was it picture perfect is mm-hmm. that the word i guess avoidant yeah a- avoidantly attached humans and not even knowing the depths of your childhood just yes. that one story of them being like you're fine. You don't need a therapist. Mm-hmm. Knowing how crazy you might, you must have felt because of your experience with that relationship. Right. And the tears you were having. What happens in people who have an avoidant attachment is they learn that their needs are too much or don't have needs because you're going to get hurt. It's yeah. somebody with an anxious attachment. They'll have hope and then they'll get let down and they have hope and they get let down. So they go on this roller coaster. So they're mm-hmm. always trying to like hold on to hope and avoidant people just don't have hope yes that is me at all and so you have to learn that i can have needs and there is hope for me i can get disappointed and the world mm-hmm. has like ups and downs but there's hope for me but what you had done is you taken essentially i am very visual clearly yeah i have vision avoidant people wearing those onesie pajamas and they how there's a zipper from like the mm-hmm. foot all the mm-hmm. way up it's like they have zipped up into like mm-hmm. the like mm-hmm. footy pajamas yes and that's how they walk around the world yes other people's emotions are annoying to them yes and they don't have any (laughs) yes and like i've explained it um after i you know started this therapy journey i would tell like my closest friends about the things that i was uncovering and learning and um they were like mind blown by the things that i had never brought up but i didn't bring them up i wasn't trying to really hide it i really didn't didn't know know it. it was there yeah and so uh we've talked about this my therapist she uses like a list of emotions lauren's therapist uses the same list that I I don't have in my office anymore since I moved, but I did have. And people were always like, where are the rest of them? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is the eight we're using. Or they're all bad and there's only one good one. Yeah. Which is not true. Well, my thing is, she, so I would, you know, tell her something and she'd say, okay, so how does that make you feel? And I would literally, Catherine, like, I'm, I wouldn't just be saying like, oh, I don't know. Like, I really would not know yeah. how to define an emotion, was that uh, frustrating and annoying to you? Yes, because I am like the type of person, like I like to get things right and do things right. And it was, yeah, it was frustrating because I was on like- the Enneagram? I have never done that oh, test. God, okay. I know. I'm like the one person, person that hasn't. We'll I know. get you to do it. But she would give me the list and I would look and it would, it was like comical. I mean, I would literally be like, maybe sad. And she'd be like, um, try what? again. <laughs> I'd be like, um, maybe shame. Like she would literally have to like help me. Like she'd have to give me hints. Yeah. And now- 
I'm able to identify those things way more easily mm-hmm. than I could three years ago. But I mean, it was it was really like a well because emotions and your feelings are clues to what you need. And if you've been told that your needs are too much or they're wrong, yes, then it's like, well, I'm not going to have emotions because they tell me what I need and I don't want to have needs. Right. So then you shut all of that off, and so then you have to relearn. Like something you would learn as like a three-year-old, you're learning as a 26, 27 year old. Like imagine if you were learning a new language right now, Mm -hmm. it would be really hard and frustrating. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's what people who have avoidant attachment have to do in their adult life if that's when they're going to therapy. So that like opens up a whole new life for you. A whole new life. And so, I mean, I like referred to that time in my life as like, it was like a spiritual awakening. Like a rebirth. Truly, truly. And Amber, the friend Mm -hmm. that I mentioned who ended up taking me to the hospital that day I mean she says it all the time she's like you're a different person like you're you are a different person than you were before that moment and I feel that Mm -hmm. I believe that and I like I don't know my eyes were just open to so many things like I said that I I didn't even know were there and it's crazy (laughs) it's really crazy to like talk through it and and think back to it anyway so while I was in therapy (laughs) one day after we had really worked through like the really really tough things Mm -hmm. that I had going on inside I came in one day and my therapist was like, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'm a very goal oriented person. And so I was like, well, do you mean like career wise or, you know, in my personal life? And she was like, I don't know. She's like, where do you see yourself? The first things that came up for me were career things. And Mm so I was like, well, I have all these ideas. Like I really want to flip houses. I have this idea for this like dance fitness thing that is not really happening here in Nashville yet. Cause you know, I was in the fitness mm-hmm. industry and I'd taken um, some dance fitness stuff in New York that I just thought was so cool. And you know, maybe I'll bring that to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and then I have this other like really random idea. Um, and it's like a dance program of some sort for people with special needs. But like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know anything about that. So I don't know. I'm really leaning towards like the fitness thing. The flipping houses would take like a lot of cash, which I don't have. <laughs> Also, I've learned that's not that fun. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, you know. So she's like, okay, let's just stop there. Um, (laughs) She was like, I have to say that last idea that you're really like just pushing to the side, I feel like there's something there. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't even know anyone with a disability. I don't know anything about that world. Like, how would I, who am I to do that? Right. Right. And she was like, yeah, but dance is so woven into who you are and like your story. And I feel like that's kind of what your des like your destiny is something with dance and like there's nothing like that really happening you should think about it and so I'm like okay I'm also a very like challenge oriented person mm-hmm. so we rescheduled my next appointment it was like two weeks from that session and so I leave and I'm like okay I'm gonna do some homework on this so I can come back to my next session and say like look at this <laughs> you know whether I'm gonna do it or not uh-huh. like I'm gonna have something to say about it because she kind of challenged me and so I go home that day and I'm like, let me just go back to 2012, do a little research, see what comes up. Maybe there's some things that are happening. Maybe Mm -hmm. I can find somebody else who's doing this that could help me, you know, look into this a little more. So I just Googled dance programs for people with special needs. There was definitely more happening Mm -hmm. than there was in 2012 Mm -hmm. when I did my project for school. But here? No, still not a lot. I mean, there was like a couple things, but not anything specifically what I envisioned Mm -hmm. a completely inclusive environment where it's people with and without disabilities with the same goal in mind to just like experience the joy of dancing. Right. So while I'm researching, 
I get a text from a friend just out of the blue who is really involved with a different organization that's for people with special needs here in Nashville. And she texted me something random. It was not about Mm -hmm. that. But I was like, oh, that's the person I need to ask. Is this a good idea? You know, so I text her back and I'm like, hey, by the way, I have this random thing that I'm playing around with. Can we go to dinner? So I can just like pick your brain. So we go to dinner. I tell her and she's like, people would love to see something like that happening. Like I can speak on behalf of these parents. I know that they would be interested. You just need to kind of figure out what it looks like and then I'll help, you know, connect you however I can. And so long story short, I was like, how do I try this thing without making a huge commitment and saying like, I'm going to quit my job and like open this dance studio. So I decided to do a week-long summer camp and I'm like I can take off work for a week I can rent a space and see what happens right that's what I thought move what what was it even it called was, move was it wasn't it? called it was called the project because it was literally just like a project that yeah. I was working on yeah that was like a essentially a test it was like you. a pilot run oh cool yeah at the end of the week parents are coming to pick their kids up and they're like what's next we want to sign up for the next event and I'm like oh there isn't one but okay great and my friend Megan who I grew up in the same dance studio as she also has her degree in dance ed she went on and got her master's in special ed actually came up to teach the camp right because I knew Mm -hmm. that I couldn't teach this first thing because I again knew nothing about it so what was your role I mean I I put the camp I did the entire thing I fundraised I but she organized taught the, it. she taught the actual like okay, lessons I okay. would I would teach also but she designed like the curriculum for okay. the week the first event that we did as I started talking to people they were like yeah you should do this but you should also probably pick a lane because you don't know what you're doing yeah and people with down syndrome are probably going to be the easiest for you to like kind of dip your toes in mm-hmm. right because they're typically very positive loving mm-hmm. people right and so it was a camp for individuals with down syndrome and so so, oh, so it was okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, for okay. the first event. So Megan came up and was able to say, okay, so like typically people with Down syndrome are going to respond, you know, to this, this, blah, blah, blah. So she was able to design the actual like lessons that were happening every day mm-hmm. and lead them to the groups um, where I did everything else, found the volunteers and just mm-hmm. like hosted the camp. Well, and just knowing because that makes more sense now because I did always wonder that of like did different I just like throw myself in well different yeah. disabilities you have to be aware of different I wouldn't oh, know what to yeah. do my sister that's what she does for a living so she would and I ask her questions about stuff all the time but like just sensory issues that might come up especially with things you would have no and, idea like, about touching and all yeah. Of that yeah yeah and and a big part of it too was I mean I was like every day getting coffee or lunch with someone who anyone who would talk to me but someone who had experience either working mm-hmm. with people with disabilities or a parent or Mm -hmm. anything Um, just getting as much information as I could and so anyway at the end of the week after it was clear that like okay people are on board with this Mm -hmm. thing right I told Megan she lived in in Mississippi at the time and she is married and they were getting ready to plan their family and I told her look I don't know what this is going to look like I can't give you an exact timeline I can't give you really many answers but I know that I'm going to make this thing happen in a year-round way Mm -hmm. it is going to be a space that I'm going to open you know it's going to have its own studio and I would love for you to to help me you know with the 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 programming however Mm -hmm. you can whatever that means for you and I just remember her looking at me and she was like yeah 
like we're in and I'm like well go talk to your husband <laughs> you know like you don't live here yeah like that's a lot and so they yeah they were they really trusted me and and that's how it's been with everything with our donors so she works for you now yeah she's our program director and so she Did she moved here yeah they moved here yeah like the next summer it's wild it's wild but that that's just how it's been like you've seen yeah. like my fundraisers and everything like people have just believed in this thing from day one tell the story about your funding okay yes so another also i want to just say this we're touching on 75 different oh things oh my that god are, how are you going how am I to gonna organize how this? am i gonna title this is the, really the question <laughs> um but the other thing is so many people I mean, I sit with friends and clients who a lot of them are not doing what they want to do, which that's fine. We don't mm -hmm. always have to be doing what we want to do at every moment in our lives. But a lot of the reasons they're not doing that is because they're afraid for whatever reason of going after something that doesn't exist or yes. they aren't guaranteed to get or it's not guaranteed to go. Exactly. Right. So I want those people, if that hits you to listen to this story that you're about to tell, because you didn't have enough money to start a business. No. You don't come from like no. family, families of millions and millions no. of dollars that can just give you anything. No. You also would not be able to, <laughs> um, I actually don't know your family's finances, but yeah, I but imagine like, that to be true. Uh, confirmed. Yeah, I do okay. not. <laughs> so, and so she didn't, ha you did not have all of the things that you needed to have, but what you had was what? An idea. Yeah. And you and believed in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Yeah. And it was worth what you said in the very beginning. Like it was worth you trying. Like you didn't know if it was going to work out. Like you going to New York. Yeah, exactly. I think I'm just that type of person, honestly. Like, because uh, people will ask me, kind yeah. of like, what gives you the confidence to do you know, these crazy things that people would be too scared? And I'm like, I don't. I really don't think of it like that. And I, th I think that that's like a per that is a personality type because I think I'm that way too. And okay, like we're I, both pretty bold. People. Yes, yes, and I. I don't think I've told this story on the podcast, but it, then I want you to tell your story okay. <laughs> because people ask me now I'm on this podcast network and they're like, how did you get to know? Like, how do you know, Amy? Like who introduced you? How did you get on her outweigh series? And I was like, I emailed her. I love it so much. I literally took a solo. It was supposed to be solo. Part of it was supposed to be, but then I just was, I, it wasn't, but I had like a couple solo hours in a coffee shop and my friend Taylor her mom was listening to, I think, either the Bobby Bones show or Amy's podcast, Four Things with Amy Brown. And she was talking about doing a series on eating disorders. Mm -hmm. She was like, Catherine, you need to email her and ask her if you can be on it. I said, she's never going to read that email, let alone answer it. But then I was sitting there and thinking in the three hours alone at this coffee shop, the worst thing that could happen is she doesn't respond to it. Exactly. She's not going to email me and be like, no, you're dumb. Like, she's not going to say that. She won't respond to it. And I'll forget that I even sent the email. Right. <laughs> and then I think it was like a couple of days later, I sent the email and just said, this is who I am. I'd love to be a part of this project that you're doing. If nothing else, to give you resources. And she emailed me back. And then and here there we are. You go. But it was just like, why wouldn't I email her at that yeah. point? I had nothing better to do. So you have a similar we have a very story. very very similar story. We should like go out on tour, like inspiring <laughs> people to like send cold send emails. Email. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I I had to do some fundraising to to start this thing, and before the first camp, I did a crowdfunding campaign that was literally just like a video of me because again I didn't have any like product or yeah. experience to say like hey i'm the person that should do this it was literally a video of me just saying like i have this idea and like wouldn't this be great if this thing mm -hmm. did exist and i was like okay i'm gonna make the goal five thousand dollars that feels doable i'll give it 30 days we'll see what happens we raised five thousand on day one 
That was the first go around. The first day of the first thing ever. That's crazy. So I'm like, okay, there's something here, right? And then over the course of 30 days, we ended up raising, I think, around $12,000. So like, it was clear that like people were on board, right? So fast forward after the first camp, and I decide, okay, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to open a studio. Now I've got to raise more money, right? So Which was a much bigger goal. Way bigger. So it was $100,000. That was the goal. So I did another crowdfunding campaign, and I got to uh, right under 50000 in maybe like a month, I think. And I had always planned to stretch it out because I had the ability. It was mm-hmm. through iPhone Women, which is a great platform, but you have the ability to like stretch your timeline if you need to. So I knew that I could do that. But at the end of the month, I'm like, okay, whew, we've kind of like plateaued. Mm-hmm. I got to pull some things out here, right? So I had this list of people that I was constantly emailing throughout the mm-hmm. entire 30 days already, just saying like, hey, look, you should check this out and maybe donate. <laughs> Which but is I, a scary thing to do. Oh my God, it's horrible. And then like you get to the point where like, you're like, are people avoiding me? Yeah. Like it sucks, but like you do what you gotta do. Yeah. And so I had this other list that was like people that I'm like, this won't happen, but like I should probably try, right? And at the top of that list was a woman named Carrie door who founded pure bar the company that i worked for Mm -hmm. leading up to this right the only career that i had had at that point and it had uh, pure bar i mean obviously i was able to move to these different cities right and easily have a job wherever i wanted to go basically but it also set me up with powerful cool women across Mm -hmm. the country so when i did that first campaign like those were my donors those are still the people that like how mm-hmm. I have my board, like it's connections through pure bar. So it already had given me so many things that I never could have imagined. And so I'm like, wouldn't it be cool if <laughs> the founder of pure bar, who is no longer involved with the company was like a donor, right? And so she at that time wasn't involved in the company. No, she was not involved with the company. Um, she'd been out for, for several years at that mm-hmm. point. But when I first Went, went to my very first training for Pure Bar in 2012. I was in the last wave of people that was able to meet her at their mm-hmm. training. And she like didn't remember me. It was like me and, you know, a bunch of other people. But she told us her story of how she started Pure Bar and how she came from nothing. And she built this thing that changed the world. And I remember sitting there thinking, I don't know what I want to do with my life, but like, I want to be like her. Mm-hmm. I want to change the world and create something that just doesn't exist and that will just, you know, make the it's world a better impact. place. Mm-hmm. And she, I was just so moved by her. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to email her. I don't have her email address. I had some connections to her that I definitely could have worked to get her email address mm-hmm. or probably even her phone number, but I wanted to get it myself <laughs> without anyone's help. So I was like, I'm just going to guess. So I guessed like three different versions of what could be her email address. Like her name? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I send this email and I explain this story briefly that I just said. And I'm like, you don't remember me, but I remember you. And I think you would be into what I'm doing. She has a history with dance. She was a former dancer as well. And I'm like, I think you would be inspired by this. I would love to take a phone call with you just to tell you more about my Mm -hmm. vision for this company. And the next day I woke up to a response from her and she said... Lauren, thank you so much for reaching out. I think this is incredible. The next day. Yeah. Rather than a phone call, would you be willing to come to Denver to meet me? I was like, yeah. I'm having, I know how this ends, but I'm like having. Yes. I was like, yeah, of course. Okay. See you like next Tuesday, like whatever. So I fly out the next week, literally like stayed in, like one of my friends gave me her Southwest points for me to get there. I stayed in like the crappiest Airbnb ever. Um, Was literally just less than 24 hours. I was there just for this meeting. And I had no idea what to expect. Like Mm -hmm. I talked to a mentor of mine before I went and was like, what do we really think 
is going to come of this? And he was like, I mean, I would think with her asking you to fly out there, like probably 10,000, I don't know, like, but I don't want you to have a number in your head and then it'd be less or like nothing. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't even want to have a number in my head either. So really didn't put too much thought yeah. into it. So we meet, we sit down and we, we're just, nervous. Oh my God. Yeah. I was so nervous, but like, we're just talking. She was so cool. We're just talking yeah. and I'm telling her about, you know, what I want to do. And she's like, okay, so what is your long-term goal? And I'm like, I want this to be like what you did. I want this to become a nationwide program that changes people's lives and just brings joy to the world. And she's like, so you're in this for the long haul. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay. And she's like, well, speaking of kids, I'm about to have to go pick my kids up. This was like after like an hour of us just chatting and hanging out. She's like, but how, how far are you from your goal? And I was like, um, well, I'm about halfway there. Um, have about 50,000 or so to go, but I have some things in the works, you know, I, I feel really confident that I'm going to hit the goal. And she was like, when is, when does it end? And I was like, well, technically it ends in two weeks, but <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not telling anyone, but I'm going to extend it, you know, and I'll, I'm going to figure it out. And she was like, okay. And she goes, I'm going to give you a check for $55,000. And I, someone who doesn't cry, Catherine, immediately tears. I'm going to cry. Welled up cry in my often. eyes. Oh my God, don't. And I, I just looked at her and I was like, can I hug you? I'm not a hugger either. <laughs> I did not know. I literally didn't know what to do. I was like, can I hug you? And she was like, yes. We stood up, we hugged. I looked at her and I said, Carrie, I need you to know I meant everything I said in that email. I was so moved by you when I met you and just so inspired by you. And this is just the craziest thing that could ever happen. And I, I really did just like want to be like you and just like, thank you for doing this. And she was like, well, it's your turn now. And we hugged again and I left and she mailed me a check for $55,000 and I opened the studio and here we are. <laughs> oh, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I've heard that story, but I didn't, I, no, I didn't hear that story. I knew what happened. I knew yeah. she gave you the money, yeah. but I did not know that you went and met her and yeah. sat with her. And then like, so nonchalantly, she's like, so I, nonchalant. she's like I believe in you. Here you go. Yeah. Like now go like to go forward. Yeah. Go. And now that was in 2018. Was uh, it? That was 2019, 2019. And here Spring you are with a studio that is open and yeah. made it through COVID. Made it through COVID. There's a whole nother, <laughs> we don't have time for that. We but don't like, have time for that, but yeah. Uh, so cool. Uh, yes. Okay. So we're, you know, we're so over. It's been a little bit of time. <laughs> so I, I, obviously there's more for you to say. And, and if anybody has questions about anything, send them because yes. she can also be on a Q and a episode. How do people get involved in your, yes. what are you still taking donations? Yes. Like how yes. do you, yes, we're always taking all the things. Okay. Um, so uh, social media, move inclusive dance. What actually like for everything, what is it? Because we haven't actually okay. basically so said it's, it's a dance studio for people of all ages and all ability levels. So some of our students, most of our students, have some type of special need but some do not i have um some typical kids that their moms just want them to be like in an inclusive environment mm -hmm. where they're learning around people who are maybe not just like them and yeah. then i also have like a 46 year old woman who takes my ballet classes like it's very across mm -hmm. the board just like a very wide range of people but it's all about just like us like experiencing the joy of dance mm -hmm. and this transformative thing yeah. that changed my life and was this outlet for me is now an outlet for so many people who wouldn't have that opportunity otherwise yeah and i think the cool thing that i'm hearing is that it's a dance studio that me yes you could, <laughs> I could you go could to, I could go and it's not like when I think of a dance studio I think of and I have a skewed view because I don't know anything about dance I think you have to be like good in right quotes, whatever that means it's very and it has to be something that you get into mm -hmm. or at my age I can't start dancing now right but dance is one moving your body 
that's why I call exercise and working out movement rather than exercise or working out because I don't care so much about you getting your heart rate up or you burning calories. It's like moving your body is such a healing agent yes. and it brings people together. Yes. And so you're doing both of those things. Yes. Anybody can go. Yes. It's outside of Nashville. Yeah. So it's in Bellevue, which yes. is West Nashville. Okay. And anybody can go. There's classes. They can find you online. Mm-hmm. Moveinclusivedance.com. How do they don't? Do yeah. So you are a yeah supporter of yeah. ours. Um, we have a monthly donor program. It's called the Joy squad and so for students that can't afford the tuition rate to take classes we we don't want to turn anyone away right so we create scholarships for them and we do that by um, having people sign on to give any amount that they want um, on a monthly basis I have you know someone who gives a hundred bucks a month I have people that give a lot of people that give five mm-hmm. bucks a month it could be one dollar truly whatever you want to mm-hmm. give um, and you just do that through the website there's a tab that says support and then you click the joy squad and that's it and then you're in you're in cool all right well so you heard that moveinclusivedance.com do you want people to follow you on the yeah, gram yeah follow us follow move and then they can follow you sure if you want. yeah Shout i don't your... think i'm probably very exciting on social okay. media personally but if you want to see um, what she looks like just yeah. put a face with the voice <laughs> but our uh instagram and our facebook for anything it's move inclusive dance okay cool easy all right well thank you for taking us on that thank you ride of God. all the things i'm gonna have to spend some like time thinking of like what is this I called know. you um, just didn't even know what you were getting yourself into with this which i told you it's the best that's the best yeah. way to do it but yeah thank you and guys go follow her go take a class if you live in nashville if you don't live in nashville you can still be a you do online stuff we do virtual classes so now anybody can do classes yes we have people across the country doing our zoom classes every week okay wait a second i'm trying to wrap this up but also (laughs) i got the email of the buzzfeed yes okay that they reached out to you yes yes they reached out to me like it was late 2019 i think and then of course covid postponed it but yes it finally came out and, and it's a series on well uh, yeah it's about young entrepreneurs so every year they pick five young entrepreneurs like across the country cool that, that, that are you? yeah doing social good and so i was very honored that they reached out to me and yeah there's a really cool video again on our website and any social media you'll see yeah, it there but go watch that because when i saw that i texted you and i was like i know i'm eating my avocado toast and i'm crying <laughs> <laughs> um but go check her out thank you so much thank you and um goodbye goodbye <laughs> <laughs> There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. 
Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 